Hello there. David Sabella. Yes, hi. This is Jay Michaels. If I'm on the line, you're on the air. How are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Not bad. I, did I catch you at a wrong time? You sound very busy. You know, surprisingly, I'm always busy <laughs> in this crisis. I have two teenagers, and I'm still running my business, so things are busy. I, yeah. g good, good for you. I, I'm not surprised at all. How are you? How's everything uh, right now? Well, we're hanging in there. You know, the news is hard. It seems to get harder every day. Uh, I've learned to put on music choice soundscapes every once in a while just to get some meditative music going on and uh, calm down my blood pressure and breathing a bit. <laughs> um, I'm also fortunate, though, that I am still... Uh, teaching, I teach, you know, uh, almost my full schedule online, so I'm reminding other people to keep breathing, you know, and so that's a large part of my day. Uh, I don't know what I would do without it. Uh, how was it to transfer online? I've been teaching online since 2007. Um, I, under the best of circumstances, I did 30 to 40 percent of my business was online. So now it's 100 percent. Oh, well, and yeah. I've changed uh, platforms a bit instead of using uh, just FaceTime or Skype. I use more, sometimes I use Zoom, but more often than not, I'm using a platform specifically designed for what I do, which is called voicelessons.com. Uh -huh. And uh, they've gotten around the latency issue in a very interesting way, so I can play my digital piano and record an accompaniment and then sort of beam it right over to the student. It plays out of their speakers. So it doesn't have to go through the air, through my microphone, up to a satellite, down to their computer, out their speakers, you know, uh, because it's MIDI. So it all just goes right to them, like an information packet, not like a sound. And so that cuts down the latency quite a bit, and it's, it's almost possible to do it in real time, which is great. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you're an absolute godsend to your students. Well... Uh, I, I'm, I hope, thank you. I, I won't speak for them, but thank you. Um, I've been researching a lot with this developer to try to make this, uh, to try to enhance this uh, platform to make it more accessible for, like, the collaborative pianists in our community, the music directors, you know, to really be able to work in real time. And still, that's not possible. There's still a lag. Yeah. But there are other... Uh, platforms, not platforms, programs uh, that can be used. There's a program called uh, Internet MIDI, which if you have the program and a digital keyboard, you can play in real time and it comes out of someone else's speakers. Okay, that's huh. good, but that's not a visual. That's not a visual. So right. you need another program to visually see the person work with them. So we're trying to put this idea together on the voicelessons.com platform so that coaches, teachers, music directors can really see their students and really accompany them in real time. I think like two weeks, maybe a month away from being able to do that. Um, so it's coming. It's just right now, it's the latency is still an issue. I, I, I have to tell you, you remind me of James Cagney in Yankee Doodle Dandy uh, in, in, oh, the, okay. in the weirdest way. Uh, uh, and you gave me the perfect segue for this. Uh, uh, there's one scene where the bombs are going off, uh, uh, and George M. Cohen doesn't know what to do, and so he sings. 
And so he's singing to the troops as the bombs are going off and whatever. Uh, uh, you are leading a charge in innovating uh, that software for everyone. You're also leading another charge. Uh, there is a YouTube channel of cabaret performers, and you have been leading the charge of making sure any show that has been canceled or any singer that has been stopped from singing has the chance to sing. How has your YouTube channel been going? Um, it, it's going really well. It's a Cabaret Hotspot uh, YouTube channel, and I made a Mac playlist for the nominees, uh, could send me their information so people could, you know, peruse their, their material on their show. I'm doing a COVID-19 uh, cabaret, COVID cabaret, which is anybody whose who's show was canceled. Um, and some people don't have stock footage of their show, so anything you want to put up, you can put up. <clears throat> it's fine, you know. And uh, that's certainly going to morph into anybody who wants to put up anything. Let's, let's put it there. But what I'm really concerned about and, and part of the reason I am busy, uh, you know, I've been trying to, for four weeks now, write an article uh, for Cadbury Hotspot dealing with all this, but the information keeps changing so fast yeah. that by the time I want to put it on paper, I have new information. But what I'm really kind of obsessed with right now is the fact that this paradigm shift is going to be much longer lasting and and change the way we do what we do for a very long time. And, yeah. and we need to, need to really come to terms with this. And <clears throat> intimate performance may be the first thing to come back because of the lesser numbers of audience. But even when we're all allowed out of our houses, what is going to be the audience's psychological ability to go into a crowd? Hmm. To, you know, And is the whole audience going to sit there with a mask on, you know, like what, what are people's threshold of comfort going to be? So we have to prepare, not only for what we're in now, but the next one coming, because there's going to be a next one. They're like, saying in, in the late fall, that's where we, it's going to have a resurgence. That's right. This one could resurge, and then there could be a COVID-21. Sure. You never know. So what are the, what's the stopgap? What's the device? And what's the legality of doing what we do and delivering a performance? So how do we study what we do? I'm on Zoom with uh, Lena Kutrakis's class, and we're carrying on. Everybody is, you know, building up their technology a little bit so they can sing. We can still have this class, you know. And everyone's posting, as you said, on YouTube, their performances, and everyone has done this for decades since YouTube was created. Mm -hmm. And it's never been an issue. But when no live performance can happen, and you're not at a club, then you're not covered by that club's ASCAP agreement. Oh. And pretty soon, ASCAP and BMI are going to come looking, because the whole paradigm has shifted, and somebody has to make money. Right? Wow. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about that. So I'm looking into how to buy an ASCAP license for Cabaret Hotspot. I think theaters and clubs need to have a license for their website so that they can present performers on their website. And I think that's the way it's going. If we ever come back into a live audience, let there be a live stream in the back of the theater. There's always a videographer in the back of the theater. 
So let's do a live stream for those who don't feel comfortable to get into the room. You know, and when we can't get into a room, that live stream can be right from the person's apartment, and we can still have intimate performance of cabaret that is legally covered for the artist. And, and there would be a charge or something like that? Like, like I, my immediate thought was, was people stealing it. You know, okay, I'm going to stay at home and watch it as opposed to go and have a two-drink minimum. Uh, yeah, no, you, you, there are plenty of, of online platforms that have a monetization gateway. So you could do a $5 cover charge or a $10 cover charge, whatever, honestly, the economy can bear. You know, we have to be very sensitive about what people can afford in this economy. All right? Uh, and then you monetize the key, and you then enter the virtual club with the key. Right. You know? So the only thing we're not doing is a two-drink minimum. <laughs> you know? And they can have that at home. Yeah. There you go. They can do that at home, yeah. But I think it's important because the artist needs to be protected. I'm already concerned about, you know, people I see posting their, you know, their Mercer shows. Well, okay, if it's in domain you got a better chance. But, you know, there's a lot of this material that's not in public domain right. that, that ASCAP has a right to because you're broadcasting it. And that's another thing. If it's live and it never lives again, that's different than if you record it and people can view it. Thank you. History, right? Yeah, it, it never so, leaves. It's on that line forever. Right. So, but you can do it in a way that you do a live stream that is not a recording. Right? That yeah. Is, that is, is a live experience and that's a very certain type of ASCAP agreement on a website versus uh, a recording that lives forever, which is much more money. You are you are right on the finger of something. I, I had this discussion with Jan Ewing because he's reviewing videotapes of plays now because he can't obviously go to the theater. So he's inviting uh, those that, that that wanted him to review for his for his book to uh, to send in videotapes. And he brought up a very interesting point about it being one videotape, one one camera in the back of the house, and no no editing or whatever. So it is just a raw performance as opposed to a, a cleaned up film. That's right, right. That, that, those are different. That's different, you know. And the the craft of how we're going to do this is a little different. When creating intimacy with a camera is a lot different and creating intimacy with a person in the cabaret room. But you have to make the person on the other side of that camera feel like you are singing to them. Of course. Do you think we've said goodbye? Do you think we've said goodbye to intimacy? Do you think it's going to be something so different now? Like like vastly blinking different? Yeah. I am afraid that we will never be able to come back to what we had. It will be different. Yeah. Yeah. It will be, if we are, can you imagine the brick room at Don't Tell Mama with no. everyone six feet apart? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, six people in it, yes. Yeah. That's right. You know, because honestly, and this is part of the article that I was writing when this whole thing first started, and the governor was like, okay, no more crowds of, of 50 or more. I'm like, hey, that's a, that's a full cabaret house. It's great. Yeah. You know, 50 people can get together, then cabaret's going to have a resurgence. But then it got worse. It was like, okay, then it's ten else. people. Then it's two people. Yeah. Right. Then it's six feet away from each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, the ramifications of this are enormous. What is, what's the dating life going to be like for young Americans now? You know, you know, my my teenagers, 
they're not having such a different life. I gotta tell you, they see all of their friends on all the online platforms that they used to communicate with anyway. Yep. The only thing that's different for them is now they do school at home. And they're not mad about it. Like, this, <laughs> don't get me started on this, because this <laughs> shift in paradigm has been easy on the millennials, because they grew up with it. They're prepared for it. I think we are horrifically 50 years away from the Matrix movies. That's really okay. what I think. That's what I was going to ask, because I, I uh, mine's 30, uh, so, so he's a, he's a little beyond that, but nonetheless, uh, he too he lives online. Every everyone I know of his age, I teach, and they're, they're, they all live online. Are are we reaching the point where instead of it, because I've had ironically, I've had a lot of people of uh, our contemporaries say, "Oh no, people are going to be thirsty for for connection again because of the deprivation." I'm I'm afraid that people are going to go, "Oh well, I'm used to this. All right, let me just keep going." I think that's what's happened with the millennials. They don't know any difference. Before this all happened, I could not drag my teenagers out of the house. I could not get them to go see a live show. Like, why would, why would we do that? Why, why? It's right here. It's right here in the palm of my hand. Why would I go out? Right. This, this, is, this is what they grew up with. So now you have a situation where the humans are being separated from one another by this disease and becoming more reliant on technology, which in turn, that technology is going to become exponentially smarter because we need it to. Of course. So we're going to develop greater means of communicating through technology. And that just dominoes into the Matrix movies. Yeah. So I'm worried about that. I am. I want people to keep singing. I want people to keep breathing. You know, there is, I mean, we're not there yet, but I think we are on the precipice. That's why I'm such an advocate for, you know, if you can't leave your house, sing in your living room, sing, sing, post it online, do it. Let's do it legally. Let's do it safely. Sure. Protect yourself. But sing, because people need that, not only for the others who hear them, but for themselves, because it is primary part of our humanity. Singing, after all, is educated screaming, which is the <laughs> primal expression, right? So we need to keep that going. We need to experience that. That needs to be heard live. You know, the opera singer, you see these videos on YouTube of, you know, the opera singer singing from her balcony and everyone else applauding. You know, right. Everyone in the house. Oh, beautiful. What a great oh, stunning. Oh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Okay. So, what's going to be the expression of art in the age of COVID-19? Now, you've just, uh, you, you've just given me a, a, another, a, another terror. You, you've tapped into to, to my other life working in, 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 in horror movies and science fiction movies. Do you think we will become lazy enough that now that instead of getting up, getting dressed, and going to a, a cabaret, will we say, well, I can watch it at home, so that's fine. And eventually, uh, live will be one person in a room to a camera? I think it is now. It is now for this, but will it become a point of, well, I'm having a good time, I don't need to board the train, I don't want those drinks, 
I'm not going to go. And so the notion of, of the hybrid that you're talking about, the, the live portion may, so, may dwindle. Right. But live will become replaced with interactive. <laughs> because when you're seeing that show, you're going to have to hit, click a button for a poll or click to applause or do something interactive oh, right. on the screen. It's not going to be like TV. It has to become an interactive oh, experience for the viewer. Right? Like we have now, Facebook chat, you know, Facebook Live, everybody chats in. You know, when I was eight years old, I would sit in front of my TV with my calculator and pretend that by punching in the buttons on my calculator, I was affecting a change in the episode of Batman that I was watching. Right? Guess what? We do that. We Twitter in to live TV and we get an answer immediately. Right. So it is the natural extension of where we're going. That is what scares me. Yeah. Because how do we navigate that and not lose our humanity and not lose our heart and keep wanting to create art? And what is the art that people who live like that are going to respond to? What kind of art is, is going to rise? Do, do you think? Do you think uh, as technology grows to, to create this interaction, it's also going to the the thing I can't stand is autocorrect, uh, uh, auto tune where where you, you ch- where the voice can be changed electronically. Do you think it's going to reach a point right. where where uh, technology will be such that you go sing into it and it's going to come out perfectly on key on the other side of that camera? That already exists. Yeah, but I mean, now it's like you can just download it and anyone can now sing flawlessly. So those that have spent decades perfecting their art uh, are no different than than the hobbyist. You know, Jay, that's my greatest nightmare. Yes. Because then, but that, that already exists in so many, many ways. There are microphones that can already do that. Yeah. For a singer in live performance, we know that. The advent of YouTube made everybody think they could be a star. Yeah. And the necessity to sequester yourself in rehearsal and keep that rehearsal time private totally left. Now people learn the lyrics to something and put it up on YouTube right away. Exactly. Like you're not done. You're not done because you know the lyrics and the notes. You have to know the song in your soul and you're not done until it's set. But people now don't know that part of the process. They don't even know that that is part of the process. You know, our singers in, in the cabaret community and great singers in in operatic traditions and in standard traditions, you know, they know that. They know that. We've seen great examples of cabaret singers like Jeff Horner bringing back shows he did 30 years ago. <laughs> I mean, how different the show is. Of course. And how wonderful and relevant it is. You know, and, and great singers throughout this industry that sing American standards and they all sound a little different and they all have a unique point of view. That is the job that 90% of the singing population doesn't know it. Right. So, do we use online technologies in intimate performance venues? Uh, or in, in, the, in the mode of cabaret, do we use this online technology 
to teach people that, to to actually try to convey that. You know, I was in, we had our first class with Lena Kutrakis on Zoom last Saturday. And I've been setting it up and I've been trying. And one of the singers in the class sang a song. He played for himself. He has a MIDI keyboard right there. He was, he had all the technology to make it work. And I sat here in my home and, and practically wept because I still felt the connection. Oh. So the connection can be made. If the connection is not made, it's either because the singer does not have the technical ability or the technological ability to deliver it. But when all things are evil, equal, sorry, when all things are equal. Yeah, right now all things are evil, yes. Right. But when all things are equal and the singer has the technological ability to convey the intimacy of their art, that can be done. Okay, but right now we're still working off of the, the video cameras and microphones on our, on our laptops. Right. And that's not enough. If you want to be a music singer, a producer of music over the internet, you have to have a better mic. You have to have a better camera. You have to have a processing system. There's a learning curve. We all have to learn something else. And now we all have to learn it because there's nobody who can come into your house and do it for you. Right. But when you learn that, and then you have the artistic sensibility to convey that art, it still comes across. It still can happen. You know? That's something that... learn a lot. That's something that, that really has to be drilled. Y your, your credit card is the thing that gets you all of this excellent equipment and you can learn all of this stuff, but at the end of the day, you have to have that talent, that heart, that passion. That's right. You can't just say, okay, well, I have a lot of money, so look, I have every known equipment that's, that was delivered to my right. door and I know how to hook it up. That doesn't mean you're going to be a brilliant and passionate singer. Right. So that's why I separate technology from technique. You can have all the technology in the world. If you don't have the technique, it's not going to work. That's brilliant. You can have all the technique in the world, but if you don't have the technology, it's not going to work. Okay, I feel better. You scared the hell out of me about halfway through this, um, <laughs> and and now you know some people. When I speak to when I speak to someone from a genre film, I go, "Okay, I'm going to be scared by what they have to tell me." But I thought, "Okay, David's going to make me smile." Oh no, you didn't. Not. Uh, Okay, but but now now I'm feeling much better. Okay, we're going to get through it. Yeah. Art survives. Art finds a way to survive. Art also changes. You know, none of us are singing Gregorian chants anymore. You know, right. art changes, and so it's it's tricky. I mean, art changed from American Standard to pop rock. You know, now what's the next change? You know, how do we how do we make that intimate connection in the midst of all this? So it, we're we're gonna survive and we're gonna evolve. Art changes. Something so simple. Thank you. There now I feel hope. See? You knocked me down, you brought me right back up. Like any good cabaret performer, I weep and then I rise to my feet in applause. Thank well, you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. David, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, uh, 
keep up that fight. Like I say, you you are a true inspiration. The moment the moment we began locking our doors, uh, there you were all over the internet, uh, galvanizing the troops. And as the bombs were going off, our our own George M. Cohan was 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 singing and dancing in front of us. Uh, Thank you. I have likened it. I have likened it to the the string quartet on the Titanic. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going to keep George M. Cohan. He survived. That uh, that that one okay. I'm going to keep. Thank you so okay. much. All the best to you. Uh, uh, keep up the wonderful work, and and I'll be following you all along the way. Thank you so much, Jay. Have Thank a great you. time. Thank you.